Tennessee walks, from Memphis to Bristol, from the legislature to the back roads. Barroom banter on all things Tennessee, the finest state in the union. And now to your hosts, Luke Elliott and Duncan Ng. The night they were playing the beautiful Tennessee War. Okay, Duncan, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing pretty well, Luke. I'm up here in West Tennessee on the outskirts of Memphis here. been visiting with family and getting to see everybody from back home. So I've been having a good time. How about yourself, brother? Well, I've been doing pretty good. Just working away and getting closer to death, but enjoying the process. Anyways, we have something to talk about briefly before we get going here tonight. You've become a little bit famous. Your brother had started off doing TikTok. I don't know his handle. He's going through his teenage phase, so I don't want to talk to him. He's the one that kind of started you on TikTok. You got rolling on it. When I first met you, you didn't know barely how to work Microsoft Word. And so you've come a long way on the technology. And uh, I'm just proud of you for getting out there like that. Well, thank you, Luke. You know, I, I would never going to get on that there tic-tac. And then, during the quarantine, didn't have nothing else to do. So, Ghana got me up on there. And I'd never posted a video till about round derby time this year. You know, for years, I've been doing them derby videos. And a co-worker of mine suggested I put it on TikTok. Thought it might do well. And uh, so, I did. And man, it's really taken off. And I have been in Tennessee, Mississippi, and Alabama over the last couple of weeks. And I've had people in four different cities within those states come up to me, strangers, and tell me they they seen my videos and they and I I'm just flabbergasted with the response I've gotten. And it's kind of funny. I'll give you this little tidbit. My first few videos, everybody was commenting, saying that I was lip syncing them. But what the truth of the matter was, since I don't know how to work at contraption, I was recording them on Snapchat and then uploading them to TikTok. And in the process, it kind of lagged them. (laughs) But it wouldn't, obviously, because I was lip syncing. It was just, I didn't know how to work the dang thing. Well, I guess that's understandable. You know, you do it the back around way. Uh, and also most of the places you go don't have very good internet or cell service. We got a little bit of that going on tonight and we apologize to the folks and we're very glad to have all the people listening from TikTok because I looked at, you know, the map shows us where people are listening from and people all around the country now so we're very glad to have y'all but we do apologize for our lack of technology and now duncan i'm a little better than you but we're getting there that's true we're going to start pumping out content and we're very glad to have everybody listening but tonight we're excited because we have a new writer who has been helping us put together our episodes and that is actually my grandmother now, my grandmother, sweetest lady in the whole world. She, she sure has, is. Yeah, you've met her a few times, I believe. I love Granny. I love Granny. And But she has 
an incredible wealth of knowledge of Tennessee history. And for the people listening around the country, we're going to start branching out a little bit, talking about stories from all around the South and, you know, maybe even all around the country, trying to tell interesting political stories without being political about it. But there are some crazy stories that come from people around centers of influence that need to be told and were kind of hush-hush at the time. But my granny, she was a teacher, and so she's a student of history, and she has put together some really interesting stories for us. You kind of got to dig for them. Right. Because I don't know about other states, but in Tennessee, you know, back in the day when bad things happened, it wasn't as sensationalized as it is openly today. You know, people still talk behind closed doors about the stuff just as much, but it wasn't as documented. So you kind of got to dig. Right. Folks were more decent and they kept bad things under the carpet. They didn't want people to know and they didn't want to advertise it. We've kind of referenced this in a past episode or two, but when bad things happened in Tennessee, folks didn't want to write about it because they didn't want Tennessee to look bad. Right. And also (laughs) the reporters were a bit scared of powerful people in their communities and they didn't want to, they didn't want to cross them. So, you know, if something happened to a a layman, it was written about probably just as freely as it would be today. But in, you know, one of the stories we're going to talk about tonight, you really can't find a whole lot about it. You can find enough to talk about it. But as we look over these stories, it's kind of interesting to see how little it was editorialized. And now, you know, all news is pretty much editorialized on on both sides of the spectrum. But back then, it was much more neutral, and it seemed like journalists would wait a lot longer to make conclusions and get into the depths of it. Right, and I've said for a long time, I think a big reason for that is it was before there was a such thing as a 24-hour news cycle. So people weren't worried about having to create all this content and all this filler every hour of the day. You took your news in the morning, and then there was a little 10-minute slot at lunchtime, and then there was a little bit of some once you got home from work in the evening. But that was it. And they just read, they literally read the news. They were called news readers. They read the news. They didn't sit there and pontificate on what it meant or what the ramifications were going to be. They just told you what had happened and you could make your own conclusions. Right. And both sides are guilty of that. You know, we just most certainly. And it's gotten worse in the past three or four years. I actually think one of the most inflammatory things that has happened to news is that most of us have iPhones and we get those updates throughout the day. I Mm -hmm. have Fox and CNN on my list of Apple News, you know, providers. And it's amazing the difference between the two headlines as the day goes on. Every morning you wake up to something that gets your blood boiling no matter what side you're on. That's a fact. I agree with you. I am actually the same way. And I take mine from Fox, CNN, and then I also get the BBC. 
and it's they're all different. It's crazy, and I I'm sure we could probably all agree with our listeners that the actual truth is probably somewhere in between all those three. But yeah, so the story we'll start off with. Well, first of all, my granny she put a note here. This is kind of a funny story. Yeah, you know, she was listing off good reporters to look back towards as we're trying to talk about some of these stories and mostly reporters from the Nashville Banner and the Tennessean. There were two papers in Nashville. Now, older people know that, of course, one in the morning, one in the evening. Tennessean was in the morning. Banner was in the evening. But anyway, she was listing off these reporters and she showed me a story about herself and they had written a story about them where they were laying in the bed middle of the night and a country ham came through the ceiling. They had had a ham <laughs> hanging in the attic, which people used to do back then. You'd hang a country. Yeah. And they woke up one evening and a, a damn ham had come through the ceiling and my grandma thought a bomb had gone off. That's hilarious because, you know, it, that cracks me up so much because my great grandparents who were largely responsible for the way I speak and for what got me TikTok famous, they used to do that all the time and they'd have two or three hanging up in their attic and they would bring them down for all the major holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and then at Easter. If you don't know the difference between country and city ham, you need to figure it out real quick because if you're eating what you would call regular ham or city ham, you're missing out. Now, country That's ham will give you a heart attack a lot quicker, but I'd rather die five years sooner and eat good ham the rest of my life than eat that trash, that sugary city ham trash. Well, now, I got to say, I like both of them, but uh, there ain't nothing like a good country ham biscuit in the morning. That's a fact. That's right. And this is kind of a tourist trap, but if y'all ever get down to Nashville, you need to go to Loveless Cafe and get some of their biscuits and their country ham. You know, I somebody said, Luca, you, as much as you rip on tourist places i can't believe you'd talk about a place like that but i love loveless cafe i think i've took you there before hadn't i lord yes you and i and your mama went there one time and if my memory serves me correct you uh weren't feeling too well that day i don't recollect why but uh yes i remember that quite well well i believe it was because we had came from knoxville and there was a a college gathering the evening before. So I had fallen ill, but the food was still very good. And the food was good, but yes, I do remember that quite well. Well, we'll get on from that. The main story tonight, and this is really a bizarre one. I had never heard this, and I could only find two articles about it. One of them was from the Banner, and the Banner and the Tennessean have done a great job of uh, archiving all their articles. You can pretty much find everything. But it appears to me that the banner only did one article on this. And there's a reason why for that. It, and it's because, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but John J. Hooker was good at controlling the news. So 
you know, they did one article on this, to my knowledge, maybe they did more, and then they cut it off. But I'm sure people kept talking about it. And then there's one from the Nashville scene. There is a neighborhood in Nashville called Bellmead, and it's a good neighborhood, and, you know, a lot of, I, I would call it the nicest neighborhood in the middle Tennessee area, although folks from Brentwood are trying to adopt that title, which is a bit laughable. But anyways, there was this businessman named John B. Wilson, and he had married the daughter of a furniture man. You know, furniture stores, they've kind of dwindled, but they that used to be big business. People oh, are, Lord, yeah. You know, you know, Granddaddy Joe was in the furniture business back in them days. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, people our age, and I would say even a generation above us, do not spend as much money on furniture. But that used to be kind of a... It was a status symbol to have nice, solid, good furniture in your house. Right. And, you know, that's one of the things I do like about our generation is we can all just agree on getting Ikea or whatever and just be fine with it makes a lot more sense that way it's really silly how much people spend on furniture but i'm getting off topic here yeah yeah uh, yeah i do like my antiques so well yeah i do too but i just don't there's no reason to spend ten thousand dollars on a bedroom set you can get stuff that looks just as nice for quarter of the price but anyways yeah john b wilson Married this lady called Jean Cochran, and Wilson was a financier in town and a socialite. And I, I tried to figure out which firm he worked for, couldn't find it. But he was the president of the Nashville Bachelors Club, and you know, pretty well respected guy. And he lived in the Harding House, beautiful house, and. Yeah, it was right up the street from the Bellmead Theater. And this reporter got a call one night from the medical examiner. And he said, get over here. You won't believe it. Jean has stabbed her husband. Get over to the Harding house. Lord of mercy. This reporter walks in and, you know, there was blood all over this guy's shirt. And it appeared that he had been stabbed. Well, this Jean lady, I guess she liked to go through marriages because I think she had four by the time she passed on. But this was her second. Gracious. And she had a rogue stepson. Now, this is the hard part about this story is because there's rumors that float around it that were never resolved. And that's, you know, part of the magic of a powerful lawyer like John J. Hookers, he was able to squash stuff. And so we don't really know, but, you know, it was alleged that John Wilson was abusive to this stepson and it was never resolved. But that was one of the arguments they made in the case that we're fixing to explain. Anyways, you know, they took this thing. It took a while to get to court and there's all these rumors going around because, you know, it's 
a Bell Mead murder, and that almost never happens. I mean, I can't. Uh, there's been very, very few Bell Mead murders, and up until Marcia Tremble, there was very few Green Hills murders. Anyways, but that's probably another story we need to talk about. But what had happened, and what I think from reading this, is that maybe he was abusive to that stepson. Of course, I cannot say that with certainty, but I think that his wife, Jean, got upset about it and stabbed the damn man. Mm. Of course, that is what the district attorney concluded. And so she, you know, got charged with the murder and there was a bunch of speculation. And when you got a lawyer like John J. Hooker, you you better have a good argument coming. And I went to school with his grandkids and they were great people. But, you know, looking back into the history of him, I mean, he's we've talked about him before, but he's one of the most interesting figures in Tennessee political history. And almost all Nashville stories from this era have a tie back to him. The fellow worked on the gubernatorial race for John J. Hooker. He regaled to me that they probably would have won that election if they'd have done as much electioneering as they did whiskey drinking on that campaign. But anyway, (laughs) I love stories about John J. Hooker. One thing I forgot to mention about the legal stance of this case was that before the Wilsons had arrived home that evening, they had been at the home of James O. Bass, who was a, a founding member of Bassberry Sims, probably the most powerful law firm in town. And Duncan, we got a good friend that works there. It's a great firm. Yeah. And of course, he, he didn't have anything to do with the murder, but they had been at a party at his house. And it was speculated throughout the case that John B. Wilson was a heavy drinker and he had been at this party and basically the pivot that john j hooker made was that it was an accident you know his gene did not mean to kill him so they were dancing around with a sword in the bedroom and she oh my land not in the bedroom right and she he accidentally fell on it that's quite a conclusion but by damn it worked (laughs) it worked and you got to wonder i couldn't find out who the judge was on the case but you got to wonder what was going on behind the scenes there because that's quite a creative case to make there that this man was stabbed by a sword in his own bedroom and his wife and him were the only ones in there and somehow it was just an accident well, I can only imagine how risque that sounded to the people of Nashville, especially back in them days. Yeah, and I mean, I think from the tone I interpret from these articles, I think nobody believed her, but the legal power was there. Yeah. I'm sure people that have been long gone and came before us could speak to that more than we could. Uh, because, you know, we really can't read a whole lot into it. But, I mean, this lady or her stepson 
obviously killed that guy and you know maybe he was abusive and that's not certainly not right but it was amazing that she got off from it and the people of Nashville talked about it for many many years after so she moved to Memphis and married Shelby County District Attorney John High School which is pretty interesting because he must have believed her I mean I don't know why you would marry somebody who you thought stabbed somebody and I really couldn't find much information on him he passed away from cancer and then she moved to Chattanooga and got married for the fourth time so I don't mean this in a derogatory way but she she went all around the state oh she certainly went all around the state it seems like but but there's been a lot of rumors about this as time has gone on the stepson William Cochran he moved to northern Alaska. He's wow. back now. I can't tell if he's still alive, but a lot of people speculate that he was actually the one that killed John because, you know, of the alleged abuse, which that would make sense too, because the mother might have taken cover for it. Right. But I don't know. I you know, it's something that was never resolved. So pretty interesting story. And I mean, nowadays there's murders that happen all the time, but back then and Green Hills and Bell Mead, like I mentioned earlier with Marsha Trimble, which I think was around the same time, uh, that stuff was really shocking. And it was talked about to a great extent amongst those neighborhood circles, but it, it there wasn't a whole lot of documentation, or at least as much as you would think, for a for an event that was so significant at the time. Yeah, well, it's like you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, Luke. In those days, and even to a certain extent, in certain places, even now. When people in that particular class of society get involved in such spectacles, it's just not talked about publicly. Of course, it certainly is talked about in whispers and hushed tones and behind closed doors, but just it is not talked about in public because that's just not how things operate down here. Well, Duncan... I'm about tired of talking to you. I think my granny is doing a great job putting these stories together, and we appreciate it. We hope everybody enjoyed it, and we're going to try to get to you more frequently now that we've gotten a little bit of a, some traffic here. So hope to talk to you all soon. Duncan, don't go down there to Tunica, Mississippi, and gamble. And other than that, I think we'll hang it up for the night well lord knows it's hard for me to stay away from tunica and biloxi and them establishments of not quite good repute but it's been good to talk to you brother please tell your granny i said hello and once again i just want to thank all the folks that are here listening from tiktok and for those of our listeners who don't know you can find me on tiktok uh, my handle's at the southern gent one And I'd love to see y'all on there. And everybody take care. We'll talk to y'all later.